The scripture reading for today is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. You can find it in your church Bibles on page 213. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord.
I think we have heard, uh, we have just heard a world premiere, uh, the first time that piece has been sung and played anywhere. Thank you to Kai for singing, thank you to Gordon for composing uh, and for accompanying. Uh, the piece was... The piece was written for this sermon series. Uh, at the beginning of the new year, I started a, a sermon series on what Christians believe, the, the basics of the faith, and, and the series, as I've said, is going to follow the structure of the Apostles' Creed, which we have just heard in song. Uh, Sam and I are doing this series together, and as a matter of fact, he is going to take next week's sermon on who God is. It will be our introduction to the first uh, person of the Trinity. Uh, last week, uh, I asked what I believe is an important question to ask uh, at, at close to the beginning of a series like this, and that question is, how do we know? Right? Where, where do we get information about God? Is it even possible to know who God is and, and, and what God wants from or expects from us? And some of you will remember that last week we uh, talked about what Christians uh, have called general revelation, this idea, and uh, it is a controversial idea for some, that, that God speaks to us in history and in nature and uh, often in human life. Uh, Psalm 19, which we read together, reminds us that the heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament, the, the, the sky, uh, proclaims his handiwork. And, and it goes on to say, day to day pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge. Uh, when you read words like that, you think, oh my, God is, is trying very hard to speak to us. God wants us to know him. And of course, I think that's true. God is speaking uh, to us just about all the time, even in those moments uh, when we think that God is distant or, or silent or not being very... Uh, communicative. God is speaking to us. Uh, this week we're going to uh, turn our attention uh, uh, to what is often called special revelation, uh, which of course is the Bible, the written, uh, the, the written word of God. If general revelation can be controversial, uh, then uh, special revelation is certainly going to be controversial. Uh, Christians have argued for generations about how exactly to describe the Bible. And there are a number of key uh, words and phrases that have become very important to us uh, over the years, and we will get to some of them, but not all. I, I can't possibly say all that needs to be said uh, in a, a sermon uh, like this, and I'm going to repeat that a couple of times just so you hear it. Uh, one more comment before we take a look together at John chapter 1. It, it's very uh, hard to know uh, what part of the Bible to read from for a sermon like this. Because the Vi uh, Bible doesn't very often talk about itself. Right? Beyond that, the Bible doesn't uh, uh, come with an owner's manual, uh, a, a guide for reading it and uh, understanding it. On the other hand, uh, the Bible does say some interesting things about itself. Uh, the Bible often uses the phrase, for example, thus saith the Lord. Or uh, God spoke to them by the prophets in saying, right? In other words, the, the, the prophets and others claim to be speaking on, on God's behalf. That they claim to be repeating what God has uh, said to them. That they, they want us to know that they are not speaking for themselves. 
And so the Bible does claim to be authoritative. In fact, the Bible claims ultimate authority. I think it's important for us to see that. On on page after page, the Bible demands that we pay attention to what is there. Uh, It demands that we respond, and of course it demands that we make a decision about what it says, uh, either to accept its truth or or not. Uh, And it's not like the last novel I read, which was uh, entertaining, uh, but made no claim on my life. Right? When I finished reading it, I, I thought, well, that was nice, and I put it on the bedside table, I turned out the light, and I went to sleep. Right? The Bible functions in a much different way. Right? It, it, it makes a claim on us, and, and often that claim is so enormous, so far-reaching, that we, we can't simply turn out the lights and go to sleep. Uh, these words from John chapter 1, which... I'm about to read are just extraordinary. I, I have that feeling every time I read these words or listen to them. And uh, I invite you to, to listen uh, now as I read them. John chapter 1, beginning with the very first verse. I'm going to skip over a paragraph about John the Baptist and, and continue this theme of, of what God's Word is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, uh, in December, just before uh, Christmas, I was sitting at breakfast with several of the men uh, from this church. We were at the Haupt Bahnhof, and, and, and we were talking together about reading the Bible. Imagine that, 7 o'clock on a dark and cold Wednesday morning to talk about the Bible. And, and, and what we were talking about specifically were the attempts that each of us has made o- over the years uh, to read the Bible you know, in its entirety, starting at the beginning, going all the way to the end, and, and, and preferably in one year, although it's never quite clear to me why that should be the goal, to complete it in, in, in one year. And during the conversation, we mentioned the tools that are uh, uh, available to us, the, the phone apps uh, that send us daily reminders and that sometimes make us feel guilty because we are falling behind, and, and the study guides that uh, try to make reading uh, the Bible easier and more manageable, less daunting. And I remember sitting there at, at the breakfast and, and being deeply touched by this conversation, and I, I remember feeling gratitude 
that these men really wanted, with all of their responsibilities and obligations to be good husbands and good fathers and, and good employees and so forth, that they really wanted to be good disciples, faithful followers of Jesus. And as a pastor, I can tell you, there's nothing more touching than that. I, I know many of you participate in Bible study fellowship, or BSF, as everyone seems to call it, and, and of all the Bible study courses that are available, uh, BSF has to be one of the most rigorous and, and demanding. You have to be all in uh, in order to stay with it. Every church I've served along the way has been a, a host church. In other words, made space available uh, for these meetings, and that's something about which I am very, uh, very proud. Uh, so many of you, not just that Wednesday morning uh, group I mentioned, many of you are trying your best to be students of the Word of God to immerse yourself in the, the mysteries and the truth. And, and, and I could not be more grateful for that. But I found myself on that Wednesday morning unable to keep quiet. Uh, this happens often to me. I know I should let the group speak, uh, but I couldn't keep my mouth shut. And so finally, at this breakfast, I, I said, well, how do you do it? You know, without a little commentary to <clears throat> refer to, without some online help, how are you able to read this book? And I even suggested to them a, a, a one-volume uh, Bible commentary to help with difficult words and hard-to-pronounce names and, and, and difficult geographical uh, areas. And So maybe this should be the first point I, I make today. Reading the Bible is enormously difficult. And not just reading it, but getting something from it. The, the meaning does not come easily to us. It requires effort and, and, and concentration and determination. It can baffle us at times. At other times, it can leave us with more questions than answers. It was written in a language, more than one, actually, uh, with which few of us are familiar today. Words with a very specific meaning, two or even 3,000 years ago, can mean something very different today. Uh, as a young pastor, uh, one of the first tools that I acquired from my pastor's toolbox was a 10-volume uh, set. Every time I tell this story, it becomes a longer set, but it was a 10-volume a, a set uh, uh, called the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, probably more like this. And, and there were uh, long, I was so proud of uh, finally acquiring each volume. And, and in, the, in the, these uh, books are long articles on important biblical words like covenant and kingdom and, and so forth. And when I tried to pass uh, along this precious tool to uh, my daughter, it cost me hundreds of U.S. dollars to acquire this. She said to me, well, it's all available online, Dad. So, <laughs> children are so precious. Uh, in any case, that leads me to say, how do we uh, drill down in, into the Bible's essential meaning for us? How do we read and get to God's word to us and to the world? And, and to that question, I would say this, and I think this is very important for us to hear. We need to come to Scripture with humility. We need to come to Scripture with a recognition that we are not going to master it in a single day or even in a single year. The, the first time I, I, I put on my running shorts and, and, and laced up my running shoes, I was not a marathoner. 
Right? Uh, the first time I picked up a camera, I was not an award-winning photographer. The first time I held my daughter in my arms, I was not about to be named parent of the year. Why do we suppose that we can pick up a Bible and get it the first time we spend time with it? Reading the Bible, as with so much else in life, I would say with everything else in life, it requires us to devote ourselves to it and to approach it with humility and to use diligence and patience and, and to forgive ourselves. Right When we are slow to understand. Before I move on, I would say this to you. If, if you are serious about God and uh, about your relationship with God, wouldn't you want to devote at least as much time to reading the Bible as, as you devote to all of these other parts of your life? If the Bible is the most important and most reliable and, and most authoritative way and inspired way that God speaks to us, all of which I happen to believe, why wouldn't you want to devote yourself to it with at least as much energy as you devote to all of those other activities in your life? Let's move on. With all of the other truths that I could mention this morning, I think it's critically important to mention this particular one Namely, the Bible points us to Jesus Christ. Mind if you lose sight of that, then, then I think you have lost sight of why we have a Bible. In my home group sermon questions for this week, I asked a, a, a trick question, and I apologize for asking the trick question, but I, I, I can't help myself. And so I asked, do you believe in the Bible? And, and, and I know that most of us think the correct answer to that is, well, yes, of course. I mean, that we sound like faithful disciples when we say that. But, but I wrote that the correct answer to the question is no, we believe in God. We don't believe in Moses or, or, or David or Paul. I mean, those are important people to us and they point us to Jesus Christ. We, we read their stories and, and their letters and their histories, not so much to know them, although they are all very interesting people and, and, and they, their stories are often inspiring. But rather, we read them to know the God who loved them and called them and saved them. We sometimes forget this, but they are not the main characters of the Bible. God is the main character. I like the Martin Luther quote about this, and I commend it to you for further reflection. Scripture, Luther once wrote, is the manger in which the Christ lies. As a mother goes to the cradle to find her baby, so the Christian goes to the Bible to find Jesus. And, and then I really like this uh, concluding line. Uh, Luther wrote, uh, don't let us inspect the cradle and forget to worship the baby. I, didn't, I probably shouldn't say this, but I feel as though I should. Uh, lots of people spend a lot of time inspecting the cradle. We become fascinated with the geography and the archaeology and the history. And, and to be honest, I have spent a lot of time with those subjects. I love those subjects. They are endlessly interesting to me, and I'll grant you all of that. But as Luther uh, put it five centuries ago, don't forget to worship the baby. Let's keep going. There's a, a, a great deal to cover here, and I already know that I can't say everything this morning and uh, that perhaps should be said. St. Augustine, fourth century uh, theologian from North Africa, was trying to explain what the Bible was, and, and so he said that the Holy Scriptures are our letters from home. And one of my own Bible teachers wrote an article recently in which he said something very similar. He said, the Bible is God's trustworthy voice that guides us, that guides his children home. 
And what they mean by that, I think, is that the Bible not only points us home and, and, and shows us the direction in, in which to go, but, but that the Bible reminds us of who we are. The, the Bible tells our story. It tells us where home is. When we read the Old Testament and all of those stories about uh, the ungrateful Israelites uh, who are saved from Egypt and then spend the next 40 years complaining about it, right? we're supposed to think, these are my people. These are my ancestors. I am descended from them with all of their good qualities and all of their bad qualities. Right? And I am reminded that I have a family and they are my family. No one in my family that I know of has, has written a family history. I suppose that's a good thing. Uh, but sometimes I'm curious about where I, I have come from. And I wonder about it, and uh, maybe more than one of you has, has wondered the same thing. My mother has lots of framed pictures, uh, photographs on, uh, on the wall of her apartment, and I mean, <laughs> floor to ceiling covered with, with photographs. And to be honest, I have no idea who most of these people are. Uh, but every time I visit, this happens without fail. I can count on it. I know exactly the minute it's going to happen. She will carefully go through the photographs. Uh, and identify each person as though th this is important information for me to have. There is your great-grandmother, whom I never met. Uh, she died on the boat from the Netherlands to the United States. I never met her. Th th there is your great-uncle. And every single one. Right? And, uh, of course, the people in those old photographs are, are not smiling, and they're wearing weird clothes, and... And, and, and they look as though they hate the whole idea of having their photograph taken. But they do look kind of familiar. I see myself in them. And when I look at those photographs, I realize that I came from somewhere. I'm living out a family history. I'm a Brower. And there have been lots of Browers who went before me, and so I have a name and I have an identity, and I can be proud of it, mostly. Right? I know who I am. And that's what the Bible does for us as well. It gives you and me a place in history. We have an identity. We know who we are. We, we can feel proud of our name. And as the Bible tells us, this is in First Peter, once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Actually, Peter says a, a great deal more than that. He says, you are a chosen race and a royal priesthood and a, a, a holy nation, God's own people in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's keep going. One more thought about this that I, I think you should know. Uh, the Bible does a lot more than make us feel good about where we've come from. Uh, John Stott, an Anglican uh, pastor and writer, he passed away in, in 2011, John Stott once wrote that we must allow the Word of God to confront us and uh, to disturb our security and to undermine our complacency and to overthrow our patterns of, of thought and behavior. And, and, and so the Bible not only tells us who we are, not only tells us or gives us an identity, which is nice and good news, but it also has this confrontational quality. And if you're reading it right, and, and if you are allowing it to have its way with you, right, then there are going to be times, Stott says, when we should feel convicted. 
There are times when we should close our Bibles and, and, and set them down beside us and think, oh my, how could I have been so wrong? How could my thinking have been so confused? I thought I, know what, I, thought I knew what God re- required of me, and now I realize that God requires so much more. If you have never felt completely undone while reading the Bible, if you have never broken into a cold sweat because of something the Bible says, then I don't know what to say to you. I I want to feel for your pulse. I want to check brainwave activity. Plus, I have a few verses from the Gospels that I would like to show you. Right? And, and, and maybe you can guess which ones I have in mind. I'm thinking of the ones about denying yourselves and taking up your cross and following Him. Why, that makes me break out in a cold sweat. The, the Sermon on the Mount also comes to mind. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oh my. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, wait, what are you supposed to do? Oh, yo, offer the other one also. Oh, and there are more, lots more. You know, it's something, uh, it's one thing to to tell everyone what a high view of Scripture you have and what a reverence you have for the Holy Bible and and, uh, how some people really don't respect the the, the Holy Word of God. It's it's another thing altogether to live out what it says. The letter of James uh, puts this better than uh, I ever could. Uh, James writes, be doers of the word. Right? And, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any uh, are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. I hear in those words a kind of challenge which I'm going to leave with you today. If, if, if you are going to read the Bible and all of it in a single year, good for you. Uh, if you're going to carry it around with you, uh, you know, a nice big family Bible, if you're going to have it on a, 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 a phone app, all of that places an obligation on you, don't you think? L- let me ask you, what good does it do to read those words and to tell everyone how important they are and how authoritative they are in, in your life? What good does it do to make no attempt to live them? Here's my prayer today, and I'll, 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 just, I'll just say it for you. May our lives be changed by the reading of God's holy word.